Welcome to Messy Closet, the spiritual journey of Generation X. I'm Roseanne Carlo, and here we explore the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the lessons my friends and I may or may not have learned. Thanks for tuning in to another episode, and as always, thank you to Podbean and Soundtrap for helping me bring you this episode of Messy Closet. And today I am talking Hollywood Wednesday, and I want to start with Woody Harrelson's Saturday Night Live monologue that everybody is, you know, talking about. It was really polarizing, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant, considering the fact that he was talking about what happened with COVID in 2020 and the lockdown and everything as a movie. And then we come to find out that everyone was saying, you know, it was man-made, it was man-made. And then they said it came from a bat. And that's when I started to question a few things. Now, obviously, people passed from this. I had a very dear family friend pass from COVID. It was really, really tragic. And we knew people were sick. We knew people were getting sick. But when you hear this thing about a bat, all I could think of was Ozzy Osbourne bit the head off a bat And the worst that happened was he needed to go to the hospital to get rabies shots. It didn't start a a pandemic. And it was a real bat. So if you're wondering when this happened, it was January 20th, 1982. So just over 40 years ago, 41 years ago. And a fan like was there and he was performing Diary of a Madman tour and it was the Veterans Memorial Auditorium and someone threw this on stage and he bit it thinking it was like plastic or a bat and what he said was immediately I though something felt wrong very wrong for a start my mouth was instantly full of this warm gloopy liquid with the worst aftertaste you could ever imagine. I could feel it staining my teeth and running down my chin and the head in my mouth twitched. And this happened in Des Moines, Iowa, and it became iconic, but it didn't start a pandemic. Now, granted, a lot of people have a lot of feelings about this monologue, but like any other comedy and satire, it comes from truth, but also, It's meant to entertain and make you, you know, think and laugh and whatever. But according to Vanity Fair, their article written by Karen Valby, and this was written just a couple days ago, February 26th, she writes, Woody Harrelson really blew it on SNL. Emmy winner launched his fifth hosting gig with a rambling nonsensical monologue and the show never recovered. Woody Harrelson has had one cogent moment in his mess of a monologue during last night's Saturday Night Live. This reads, this goes on to read, Woody Harrelson had one cogent moment in his mess of a monologue during Saturday Night Live and In one of the thousands of tangential A-sides he described telling a friend to true detectives, Nick Pizzolatto, whom Harrelson visited in Austin the week prior, is a meat eater. 
and none of this mattered to the monologue, but this is an example of how windy that seven minutes was. How he starts smoking pot around noon and then gets progressively dumber as the days go on. And this was about 11.40 p.m. Maybe the writers just wanted to send up Harrelson's reputation as a blowsy stoner. Instead, that was a joke in multiple sketches throughout the show. That would mean the monologue's crime was one of lazy writing that hung Harrelson out to dry. The trip to Austin, the shout out to his single, handsome, manager, drug mule Jeremy in the audience, the trees in Central Park, his anarchist, Marxist, deconstructionist learnings, the seven months he quit drinking last year, it was a chaotic, rambling, and boring, and oof embarrassing. Uncle Woody is talking nonsense and needs to go to bed. And then they just said that it just took a gross turn, and, um, you know, it was just like, who invited this guy for the fifth time? And they said that the show never recovered from that monologue. Everything remained weirdly out of sync, except for Jack White, who could be the father of Wednesday Adams as the new cast member and the new cast member, Michael Longfellow. So this is really interesting because, you know, Woody Harrelson was introduced to us back in the 80s on Cheers and he played a character named Woody and he was brought in after coach Nicholas Colasanto died during production of, of the series. And we loved coach. So nobody knew on Cheers what we were gonna do without coach. And I believe we still had Sam and Diane at that point. So everything on Cheers was pretty normal. So a lot of people were pretty skeptical about bringing in a new bartender, especially one that was young, because Coach brought that old school humor that like we as Gen Xers grew up knowing. And he brought that classic type of humor to the show. But Woody Harrelson brought it in his own way. Now... I like Woody Harrelson. Um, You know, I just think that everybody maybe doesn't have the best performances all the time. Remember, he had writers behind him, too. And you got to read your script. You got to do your job. But pretty interesting, that article in Vanity Fair. Um, I did not watch this week's episode. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live really since the 90s. And um, yeah, I just haven't I haven't been into it in a while. It's just changed a lot. The skits have changed a lot from the 90s. Um, Everything is political, like everything. And it's not that I mind political satire. It's just like not all the time. You want these made up characters like Mango or something that you look forward to or Opera Man, you know, or the motivational speaker, the van down by the river, um, hamburger, hamburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. You know, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, we were looking at full on artistry when Saturday Night Live began. And we're looking at just different versions of comedy that to some, sometimes to me seem like a cheapened form of easy comedy rather than the complexity of creating a character that is an extension of you. And that is my view of Saturday Night Live in the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. Now let's get to the SAG Awards, which were held on February 26th. And the first one was actually 1995. 
So 28 years ago, the SAG Awards were created, and at that point, SAG and AFTRA were not together as a union. They were two separate unions, SAG being the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA being um, the American Film and Television um, Association. I forgot the R. But anyway, they merged into one a few years back. And, you know, if you guys think it's weird that actors speak out union union forever we need the union they need that union the way everybody needs their union to get their health insurance because you're not just given health insurance by anyone much less a movie studio you have to earn that now i made a joke many many episodes back about awards show and i think well how many awards do they give themselves but i think that the sag awards are probably the best because it's the actors that vote for each other. And it's a community award where your peers are, you know, the, not, I don't want to say the judges or the critics, but they are the ones who will help validi- give validation to your work as an actor. What I want to talk about most is one of my favorite the most beautiful and talented Sally Field receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award at this 58th SAG Awards. And nobody is more deserving. I mean, she's got a career that spans over five decades. She was the Flying Nun. She was Malin in Steel Magnolias. She was Forrest Gump's mom. And then there was that great TV show, Brothers and Sisters, where she played the mom. And I mean, there's obviously so many other movies, Not Without My Daughter. Amazing. Her acting, her she gives me chills to watch her on screen, truly. And I mean, she's played so many, so many iconic roles. And some of her other major film credits include Robert Benton's Places in the Heart and she received both an Academy Award and a Golden Globe and Martin Ritt's Norma Ray receiving not only an Academy Award but also a Golden Globe and then don't forget she was Sybil and that was just an absolutely amazing movie an eye for an eye oh mrs doubtfire how could i forget soap dish amazing show if you've never seen that it's like a spoof on soap operas check that out not without my daughter i said that in the end or in the end hooper stay hungry and that was her first major film oh she's done so much and in her speech according to the hollywood reporter Easy is overrated, and Sally Field reflects on career as she accepts SAG Lifetime Achievement Award. Quote, Sally Field, sometimes I have been lucky enough to be part of projects whose screenplays were so good that my hands shook the first time I read them. They opened and revealed parts of myself I would not have known otherwise speech was quite beautiful and long so if you want to read it go check out the hollywood reporter and of course i'm sure it's all over tiktok and youtube if you didn't see it but i think that there is no one more deserving from the acting community than sally field for this lifetime achievement award right at this time it's just a feel-good thing that we needed and let me just add that she looked stunning And now I'm going to go over some of my absolute favorite looks 
from the SAG Awards. And I will start with Sally Field. She definitely just brought such a glamour to herself that just fit her personality and her level of status in Hollywood so well. I thought she looked beautiful. So let's start with Zendaya, who pretty much always slays. I don't know a lot of people who look good in a powder pink rose-colored gown. She carried it really well. I thought it was quite beautiful, and it really just complimented her. The necklace was gorgeous. Makeup was understated. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 just because I am not a big lover of pink. The fabulous Angela Bassett in her gorgeous sunny yellow tulle dress that just took me back to the 80s. I am giving her a 10 out of 10 because this is just a stunning piece for the runway. Her hair, makeup, all the jewelry was great. I loved it. Cara Delevingne, also a 10. My goodness, her outfit was just outstanding. She looked like kind of goth Victorian. She was just given off a an amazing vibe. It was like a pantsuit and then with the skirt behind it and the really interesting neckline, collar line. Loved the red lips and, you know, she she can do a look, but she's been in the business a long time. She makes an entrance on the red carpet and absolutely, absolutely love her. Now, Jessica Chasten. Okay. She's got this like porcelain skin, this gorgeous red hair, and she can pull off a bold color that they always tell redheads not to wear. She does it so well. It's like this gorgeous hot pink. She's got the lips to match. You wouldn't think that she would be able to, you know, make this glow the way she did, but my goodness, I'm giving this one a 10 out of 10. Given another 10 to Emily Blunt for that beautiful red Valentino dress. Now, if you didn't hear one of my episodes, um, I was talking to Kristen Bailey, who I called Kirsten because I'm dyslexic, but I was telling her that I had one point had the pleasure of meeting Emily Blunt and giving her a couple of yoga and Pilates lessons, aerial yoga and Pilates lessons, and she's just an amazing, incredible person, and I loved her look, and I was just happy to see her back on the red carpet because... Yeah, she's a hard worker and she's really nice and she's really strong, like physically strong person. So she looked beautiful. She's getting a 10 also. I'm being really generous today. (laughs) My favorite male look of the night is going to go to Austin Butler. I'm going to give him a 12 out of 10. That burgundy suit, he just brought it. Like this is the thing about the red carpet. I want to see the outrageous. I want to see the wild fashion. I want to see the catwalks come to life. I love that part of it. And I think that's the best part of the award show is like the red carpet and watching everyone arrive because they're all excited, energy's high. God knows what it must feel like in there if you're nominated waiting to find out if you win or lose. Like I'd have my stomach in knots probably, but he looked incredible and um, yeah, really Really, one of the top-notch looks of the night. Also loving Jamie Lee Curtis. Her win, her everything, but her dress. My God, that red low-cut thing. Absolutely, absolutely stunning. Just a few more that stood out to me. So, Aubrey Plaza. 
I loved her hair. I didn't love this outfit. I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. I thought it was incredibly strange, um, put together strange. The color was very off for her complexion. It looked like at some point there was like going to be, and there might have been, a wardrobe malfunction. Um, it just, I wasn't crazy about who styled her. I hope that on the next red carpet, she's got more than two bands covering parts of her and, you know, just too much stomach exposed. Very, very, I don't know, it's just odd. So I wish that she would have, you know, worn better. Too pretty. Now, there is a woman, Hong Chow. I don't know who she is, but people are saying she's one of the, I don't know, not best dressed. Someone actually wrote she got to the red carpet before she finished getting dressed. And it's like, it looks like a slip, like a sequin slip. But some people, remember, don't have stylist to help them and if you think something's pretty and you like it you're gonna buy it I'm gonna give it like a six out of ten I mean you gotta give her props for trying Jenna Ortega's definitely definitely a 10 out of 10 she brought it girl looks good in black and I did love her presenting the award with Aubrey Plaza it was truly truly hilarious I am like so behind the times. Don't know who Antonia Gentry is either, but I'm going to give her, an, again, another like five, maybe 5.5 for this SAG Awards. It kind of looks like a bridesmaid dress, and I just don't understand why pockets of flesh have to show through these clothes in awkward positions. Like when you sit, stuff's going to roll down. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been comfortable in that. Another Beauty in Yellow. Nisi Nash Betts. So she really, it's stunning. It's a more muted, sunny yellow strapless gown that it's got like a nice cinched waist and it's an A-line. It's pretty, it's elegant. And again, she just pulled, pulled the whole look off simply with color and a beautiful, beautiful smile. 10 out of 10. Haley Lou Richardson. I'm going to give her a 10 out of 10 too. I thought that this was very classic Hollywood, the hair, the makeup, the jewelry. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really pretty beaded gown. It was pretty, really, really pretty. Carolina Herrera, that's what she was wearing. So we've also got Kate Blanchett. I'm going to give her a 9 of 10. I actually thought the outfit was too much for her. She looks better in classic, simple. I don't like her in black and lace. Definitely off character for her. Um, I don't know. I just, I'll give it a nine. It wasn't my favorite. So I love talking about all of the fashion. Then there's Sania Sydney, and she's got this deeper than Cinderella blue off the shoulder flowy gown giving me prom vibes gonna give it an eight of ten but the color's beautiful on her I like more flair Jennifer Hudson baby pink lots of flowers one shoulder pretty classic she looks beautiful but it wasn't giving me Jennifer Hudson vibes so nine of ten Lady Gaga, I always got to give her a 10 because she just pushes fashion limits when she wore like the meat on her head and stuff. 
So I'm going to give her a 10. This, to me, is super classic Hollywood. She's got Marilyn Monroe vibes with her white gown, and it's, like, open, and then she's got the bustier that's sequined, or it's not sequined. It's probably got, like, Swarovski crystals or real diamonds on it, knowing her. Classic cat eye. Quite a beautiful, beautiful look. And Kerry Washington also came in yellow. So I'm wondering if this is going to be like the Pantone color of the year. You know, um, she again looks gorgeous. There's something about the color yellow. I cannot wear it. But if you can and you can stand out outside of the yellow, you definitely have something special. And Helen Mirren, who just gave a beautiful tribute to Queen Elizabeth II at the BAFTA Awards that brought William and Kate to tears. She's another baby pink. She's got like a very British headband going on. She's got some little flower embellishments. I'm giving her an 11 out of 10 because this is just such a stunning, stunning look. And... You know, I'm just looking all over the internet. There's so many more looks. I like, I think my favorite looks maybe might be the Grammys because people take the most risks. And the SAG Awards, some were risky. Some was more like, I'm going to the wedding or the prom. But the ones that stood out to me were the ones that I rated here, you know, six and above. So that is Holly Wednesday, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Messy Closet. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to keep art and keep love alive.